Hello and welcome everyone to episode 37 of the VGC Trainer's School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I'm joined today by some world-class co-hosts. We got three of them to help me break down this world championships and some of the other news that has come up. We got Jack, Tony, and John. Welcome in, gentlemen. We'll start with you, Jack. How is it going? Doing well, doing well. I've made a nice little Basque Legion team. I've got to 1800 and other than, yeah, I know, pretty, pretty exciting. And other than Pokemon, just been doing not much else, just uni and work and very busy and all that fun stuff. Very cool. Very cool. How has uh, streaming and your fantasy draft been going? Oh, going well, actually, in draft. I've only lost one match. And so I think I'm nearly guaranteed top cut which is very exciting cool so yeah just kind of going well and streaming's fun just uh doing it when i can but yeah so go nice. well very cool very cool well again as always welcome back so next also we have tony how are you doing man hey you know i'm just right behind outback jack i hit 1700s let's go Let's go. Sheesh. No. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, other than that, though, I mean, I was just doing what everyone else was probably doing, watching Worlds, cheering Semper on, you know, shit like that. But other than that, yeah, just kind of like, I'm like trying, I, I'm kind of like taking a break slowly, but also staying playing. It's just, you know, Reg E is going to be probably, Reg E is probably going to be really different. And I don't want to overhype myself for something that I don't know about yet. And yeah. So I'm just kind of like hanging around, watching people play Pokemon nice. in the corner, dressed as Superman. You know, my normal. The classic. Yes, the classic Tony. Sheesh. Cool. Well, <laughs> very happy to have you on as well. And certainly last but not least, John. Welcome back. How are you doing, John? What's new with you? I'm doing good. I think I mentioned, might have mentioned last week that my parents were in town here in the great state of Colorado. So I got to go up my first 14er uh, this past week. Uh, I cheated because I went on the little like uh, train thing that they have. It's called the Cog Railway. So you can pay, I don't even know how much money it was, but a lot of money for them to give you like a little tour of the mountain as like, and like all the nature and stuff that you kind of miss if you're just driving up the mountain so that was pretty cool to like see across like colorado springs and you know probably for hundreds of miles after that wow so the the weather was clear like you had a pretty good view oh yeah i mean it was like a like 80s 85 or something like that and like you know there was a few clouds here and there but it was a it, it was a nice very nice day and it was like weird because you know it's in the summer but when you go up to the top of a mountain it was below freezing Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I I was in Denver, I want to say a few years ago in the middle of May, and we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and we went all the way to the top, and uh, there was like a fog and like clouds, so we actually couldn't see very much. Eventually, it cleared up and, and whatnot, but I was just like, man, this sucks. We got all the way up here and can't even see anything. So I'm glad that you had a nice a nice view of everything around. Yep. 
Yep. It was a fantastic experience. Wonderful. And yeah, mon wise, I was just watching worlds like everyone else. And uh, I'm trying to find my way in uh, reg D in terms of like, not like laddering to X thing or whatever, but just to find what kind of teams I like. So yeah, still nice. on that journey. Nice. Yeah. Very similar to you guys as well. I really enjoyed worlds personally as someone on the East coast. I really enjoyed this time slot because I was able to watch a little bit of the stream before I went to bed and then wake up early or like, you know, just wake up the next day and then watch the recap, but watch all of it and then have it start again later in the evening as opposed to not being able to watch any of it during the day because I'm like doing regular stuff on the weekends and then only able to watch a little bit in the evening and then have it just more stuff pile up the next day. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so it was what's regular sorry. stuff. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's pretty funny because this was like the only tournament that was in my time zone. So I was watching it throughout the day and I was having a great time. Yeah, it it, it is cool when you can. But it's just like for me on the weekends, I'm just like, over my you know in-laws running errands doing chores cutting the grass that sort of thing so it's like i don't have the the ability to to watch when it's you know 12 to 5 or whatever it is normally yeah fair enough but um, what is grass grass is this green substance that no that's a type uh, has <laughs> stupid <laughs> it just fills your lawn with ants is what i'm finding um, but besides that, uh, Spicer and I did some co-laddering on, on showdown. That was fun. We got into a, a voice call and we were sort of like talking through one of the teams that, that he was using. That was very similar to the one that you're using Tony with the booster energy on iron hands. I think Jack, you're using that right now as well. It's just so yeah. strong and draft league's going well also. So that's been nice, but other than that, honestly, guys, I've been playing through the Halo 2 campaign. I know that it's not Pokemon. Wow, related, that is a classic. It's been fucking hard. Like, for <laughs> real, I, I'm getting to the end now, and I'm just like, oh, man, these things are charging at me, and I can't hit them for anything. So, but that's what are you on uh, easy difficulty? No, I'm on, I'm, so I'm just playing on normal right now. Uh, okay. uh, but I'm, I might drop it down. I'm, I'm in that. <laughs> I'm getting to that headspace. You're in that, like, you kind of want to know the story, but you want a little bit of a challenge mode, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to have, you know, multiple swords on my shield. Just the one. I'm, I'm a PlayStation guy, so I, I don't I don't know your struggles. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, we have a lot to get into because we recorded last week right before the Pokemon Presents. And so not only did we give some information from there, but then also some stuff came out at Worlds. And then, of course, we got to talk about the world. So that is really the agenda for the podcast today. We do have some news to get into, and then we're going to talk about those world championship teams and just world championships in general, as well as some of the additional DLC information for the Teal Mask and the Indigo Disc at the end. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But first... Let's get into the news. And John, since you were so kind to curate this information for us, I will let you dole out the stories for us, please. <laughs> I guess I can take this uh, this first one. So if you're if you're like me, you were very unfortunate and you did not have 
our lovely voices to remind you to get your world championship gastrodon. So I missed my opportunity to get my fifth world championship gastrodon. I know I'm so terribly sad. (laughs) Oh no, what are you going to do? Right, what am I going to do? But we are here to remind you that you can get one of several gifts starting today. But that gift is in part going to help you with this new terror raid. So from September 1st to, to September 17th, the Pokemon Present showed us that there is a seven-star Terra Psychic Mewtwo. That is right, Gen 1ers, a seven-star Terra Psychic Mewtwo raid. But if you bring in a Mew, there's going to be some special interaction during the raid. But Tony, what if you don't have a Mew? How are you going to get one? Oh, well, uh, you could always use this code that I found written on a bathroom wall. Oh, <laughs> it is written on a bathroom wall right under this number to call. It's uh, 1-800-GET-YOUR-MEW. Go ahead and go to the mystery gift and type in get your mew. And just to make this a little bit special for you guys, everyone gets a personalized mew. Yay. So if you haven't already gotten it, I would get it now. Let us know what type you got. I got flying. I thought that was kind of cool. It came with air slash. Some people might get something else. Like if you get ice, you get ice beam. Uh, I just I think... got psychic. Oh, well, oh, yours no. is just, you have the most basic of basic. Congratulations. Nice. Tony, what other moves does that you have on it? Mines? Actually, um, I don't remember what mines are, but you mm-hmm. are guaranteed life do swift and light screen. I really just want to know what the Mew does. Like, does it do a parting shot and like flip off Mewtwo and it's just like, bye-bye? I really just want to know. It becomes Superman. It breaks out its costume and it becomes Superman. And just watches from the corner, just like yep. me. That's Now, Jack, I'm... how are we going to prepare for this Mewtwo event? Like, what if we have the wrong terror type on our Mew? Oh, my gosh. Well, if you didn't know, to prepare for the Mewtwo event, there are Blissey Raids have come back which I have been grinding out furiously. Um, so there's three waves of them. The first wave ends on August 17th. The second runs from the 18th to 31st. And then the third wave is from the third up until the Mewtwo raids, which end on the 17th. Um, so in the first raid, Blissey will be joined by High Dragon and Sizzle, which give uh, heaps of different rewards. Most notably, they give uh, HP up and like protein, calciums, all those good stuff. And so, yeah. Just very, very good rewards. And you get heaps of terror shards and it's great. And then after that, there'll be Blissey will be joined by Hatterin and Grimmsnarl. And then all five Pokemon together will be will run during the Mewtwo event. So you'll have all of them back to get all your favorite Pokemon with all the different terror things and fun times. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Now, mind you, the Hydreigon and Scizor are to prepare the offense and the Hatterene and Grimstar are to prepare the defense. So depending on what role you want to play with your friends, you can get a different Pokemon at a different time of the month. Now, Jake, moving from Mewtwo to news, mm-hmm. what news do we have to tell the viewers? Well, the news is really from DLC one, uh, also known as the teal mask, which drops on September 13th. Unfortunately, that is a Wednesday and not a Friday. Get you know ready. What? That's what? my anniversary. I just want you to know that. That's oh, my that's, wedding. That's really, wedding anniversary. That's nice. 
So are you going to play this or are you going to go out for your anniversary? <laughs> the fuck? I'm going to play this. <laughs> True. <laughs> so get ready as we prepare for those anniversary celebrations for Regulation E and probably a new format with the DLC mods. We also learned that in the Indigo disc, every past starter will be available. That means that this winter, Incineroar, is coming. He's back. He's back. (laughs) The more DLC news, such as raging bolts typing and several new Pokemon and moves that were shown. Stay tuned for later on the episode. All right. And last but not least, congrats to our new world champions. We're going to talk about some of the Masters teams here in a bit. But all of our world champions are from Japan. So congrats to Sora Ebisawa and juniors, Tomoya Ogawa and seniors, and Shohei Himura, aka Zine, and masters. Congrats, guys. Japan just completely swept. Yeah, they it showed was out. Insane. It yeah, was they, insane. It was a home game, and they were like, you know what? We have to win. And they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Good, and good for that. Remember that Japan usually is playing in closed team sheet format. So, like, apparently they're good at both formats. <laughs> So, but if you want to try Shohei's team, so that's the Masters champ, he gave us a rental and a po- and somebody figured out the Poke Paste from the rental. So we'll have both the Poke Paste and the rental code in the show notes for you to try on ladder as soon as this podcast gets released. That's really cool of them. I'm glad. And like they did it so quickly too. Like that's really, really neat. That's the kind of, I don't know, community, inter- community interaction that I want to see. So Cheers to them for doing that. But cool. That is the news. Clearly a lot has been happening in the world of Pokemon. Now we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks before, I guess, the circuit starts up again, which is going to be here sooner than we know it. It's what, uh, Pittsburgh is first in sept- on September? Yep. What? I, I think uh, it's September. It's the week after Labor Day. Second and third? Yeah. Uh, no, it's no, week ninth, after Labor Day. Ninth and yeah, that'd be okay. ninth and tenth. Yeah, gotcha. So Pitts- wow. you have Pittsburgh, and then you have the then you have the DLC released that week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so regulation D is gonna be regulation lame duck. Mm-hmm. It certainly will be, especially for those next two weeks. I think there's at least one more in September, if not a second one. Isn't I think there's Barcelona? a total of three. Yeah, there's Barcelona, and then like one down in somewhere in Brazil or something. As we know, Latte will be attending all of them. So if you're a VJ Sud fan, <laughs> be on the lookout because he will be there. Maybe still with the same team. Oh, he he's I ran into him on ladder. He was running the same team, but just with an overquill. You know what? I will say one thing. Latte is really high on the ladder for no reason whatsoever. That's ridiculous. I, I mean it's it's a team, you know. They're and very comfortable and he, with agrees, it. he agrees to open team sheet. So it's just like you're not surprised, but you're still blown away that someone's still doing this. Shout out to Latte. I've said it before. It's like the further away you get from something being meta, the less likely you are to actually know the calcs into it. You know? I feel like, a little bit difficult. I feel like that's like seniors champ right now. That's definitely... That's how I felt when I saw the senior champs team. Yeah. Speaking of the senior champ and the world championships, 
Let's get into the topic. Thank you very much, John, for handling the news. Okay, so World Championships obviously happened first time in Japan, which kind of seems wild to me since they, you know, made the game. But very cool for them to have it in Yokohama. Uh, Several hundred players uh, ascended upon Japan for the festivities. And apparently there was a lot of stuff that was going on, which we've talked about before. There was like, you know, the the cruise ship that was parked out front. There were multiple Pikachu parades. The the pop-up Pokemon Center was supposedly the largest pop-up center that they've ever had. Swamp shared some images of it. It looked really, really neat. I didn't realize they had a plush of literally every single Pokemon, but that's really cool. And then... I don't know. I think that just to before we get into the actual teams itself, I just want to sort of talk about like your overall takeaways and thoughts on the world championships, because there were certainly some positives, but there were also certainly some very unfortunate, loud, stinky negatives that did occur over the the weekend. So I'll sort of just like start off with, you know, we'll start off on a good note. What are some good takeaways that you guys had from the world championships? I am super glad that they continued that thing that they did at ICs where they had like all the floor interviews with people so that if you had some dead space during the streams, which you always do because of, you know, 20 bazillion issues that could go wrong. Um, they could just go to somebody who was on the floor, either live or pre-recorded, and be like, "Hey, I met this random Pokemon fan. Like, let's talk. Let's talk some stuff for a while." Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, which is a lot better than just saying. Then uh, at regionals, they show this camera of like the floor and people milling about, which like is cool, but it's also boring when you see it for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is neat because you can get like the the vibe of like the the scene and like the fans and everybody being there and like the actual competitors and stuff like that. But yeah, you kind of do need to spice it up a little bit. I wonder what like the, the pre interview is sort of like, like if they're saying, okay, like, okay, we're going to ask you these questions or you should talk about this kind of stuff. Like how much production goes into that level of it. Jack, what about you? What was a, like a positive takeaway that you had from the world championships? Well, I think that, um, other than like the top 16 dropout and then the stream crashing top eight, other than top cut, the viewing experience <laughs> of the actual world championships itself was really, really good. Like every moment seemed hype. The replays that they did after each match was super yes, awesome. Those were cool. The, yeah, the casters were so good. Aaron Cybertron Zen popping off every time something happened was very amusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was awesome. And then just overall like just so good to have such a unique experience but then obviously the downside is from a lot of reports there was a lot of bad things that happened regarding player experience and so just uh makes it a little annoying for for players to you know get into it but hopefully it went as smoothly as it possibly could and everyone had an all right time yeah yeah, Cybertron, when he like just really popped off of the the fissure hitting in, I forget what round it was, but the the fissure from the Dondozo into the Urshifu and then was able to take the one one v one versus the remaining Pokemon. He was he was flipping out on that, and that was that was a super hype moment. So that was that was cool. Yeah, it was it was cool. um, 
but yeah, some of the some of the down stuff was unfortunate, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, Tony, what about you? What was like a a good takeaway you had from it? Um, it, it they were all interesting matches, you know. I mean, with Emilio Forbes bringing Bramble Gas, mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely super exciting because it was just like, oh, someone's really going to try to break the meta right now. You know, Joe bringing Wo Chen, that was pretty cool. I'm sorry, what probably- a legend. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Chen. Yeah. Joe He's, Chen. But also, honestly, I think the biggest hype moment for me, and I probably sound like a fanboy at this point, but like, I'm sorry, that's my bird. Uh, so the, the biggest hype moment for me was actually seeing the Semper just go up. And it's like, dude, we know that guy. Mm-hmm. And I oh, think yeah. that was like Man, one of the hype. So well. He did so good. But like, it's just like, you know, at first it's like, oh, yeah, I might like. You know, at some point you're like, am I just saying this because I'm I'm his friend? Do because we know him, you know, kind of thing. And then it's like, nah. You fifth just in watch the world. It's that's like, insane. Yeah, just fifth in the world, first, first year season. doing competitive. Like, you know, I mean, I, you know, Michael was a singles player for a really long time, but I think Semper really started when he joined the server. Like, maybe a little bit more on ladder, but like. I think, yeah, it's just, it's insane to watch someone start and just, this is where they ended up on their first season. And it, it, I think that was just the hypest moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the funniest thing I found about that was like, they would pull up his Vancouver interview in some of the breaks and, you know, in the interview, he's like, oh, I wasn't even going to go to Worlds, but I might now, you know, you never know. And then it's like, oh, okay. He's just <laughs> fifth. All right. Sure thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's amazing what he's been able to accomplish this year. I mean, two premier challenge wins in Canada, plus the Vancouver Regional, and then now fifth in in the world in World Championships. And in my opinion, losing to a team only because of Ally Switch, and I fucking hate that move. So I didn't even get to see his game because I was like at work, and then it crashed, and then the replay wasn't up on YouTube, so uh. I just haven't seen it. Oh yeah, they so it cuts out their like the those end ones, but you can find the Twitch VOD. We'll play okay, it. cool. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can see the the later ones on there. But yeah, that, I think that was that that's certainly a good one. And he like he's he's always just so humble about it. I think that's really also very nice. I will say though, Sempra, the worst thing about be, being fifth in the world is now that every time. If anyone were to ever beat you, they're going to say, oh, does this mean that I'm now fifth in the world? Like, I'm going to do it if I beat you at some point. So just make sure that you have some sort of snappy comeback for him. You know, I mean, I've beaten John showdown many times. So that mean, I'm like top eight. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, I think so. So I'm just saying <laughs> next this week, draft league. Watch I out. Am, I am one of the few people <laughs> to have actually beaten Sempra in draft league in his oh. own draft league. I will say that's right. With, that's with right. an incompletely ev Necrozma Dusk's main. <laughs> Special one too, right? You know, I don't even know. I don't even know at that point. It was a <laughs> jank set. <laughs> That's so fun. I think for me, in addition to yeah, uh, Samber doing well, I had two. I had two that I think were really, really good. I loved that they finally implemented spectator mode. It was what like top, top eight matches i think finally used it top 16 top 16 so that's when you finally and like they had shown it at i think it was what the taipei championships hong kong but yeah hong kong yeah so they they showed it there and then they never showed it like anywhere else 
So it was nice that they finally brought that back. So you could see the HP stats of everything, but you didn't see the moves that were being selected, nor if they were switching into a Pokemon. I hope they continue to implement that. And maybe that's something that they actually will pass out to the you know regular player base so that maybe we can actually watch games that are currently ongoing with some sort of code or at least like have like v like the vs recorder which i think was always was cool with gen 7 if we can bring that back also just the background that they used like the festival and everything with all the npcs cheering them on i think that was really like a nice touch i don't think that they'll ever release that to the general public but it gives me hope that we're going to continue to maybe get more backgrounds in the future which would be kind of cool and then my last one is you know what? I got to give it up to the likes of, you know, the the Beanie Brawl and Nino with, with Poker Bros and uh, the Wide League because I wasn't surprised by any of the teams. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I know yeah. that I know that a lot was happening on ladder, but it's like these grassroots tournaments really did sculpt the meta. I mean, yep. you see, like number the number two team had Rillaboom, Heatran, and Urshifu Rapid Strike, which is like the common fire, water, grass core that we saw, you know, all the time. And it's like I think that that's really cool because that just shows how dedicated the community is to being as good as possible, and it shows that we didn't need an official tournament to happen between NAIC and Worlds with a brand new rule set, and yet there was enough going on that was organized to be able to produce these extremely competitive archetypes and teams for people to be able to prepare for. And I think that's really cool. It's super awesome. Yeah. It's just done a, such a good big thing for the community and watching the meta develop and, you know, Michael using the same team throughout the entire season. Yeah. Just finding massive success with it. It's just awesome. That's true. You know, it's super crazy. Hmm. I almost call giraffe winning worlds. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I, you know, what? you all thought this was a joke. Giraffe got second. Michael the best. Michael the best. You know, I, I and I also think that game was insane. You know, the turn one flinch mm -hmm. that oh, that was so detrimental to like the outcome. And then game two is just like just the full on adjustment. It's like, no, I see what you were about to do, and I'm not going to let you do that. So it, it was definitely a really cool match. I, I wish the drafts got more love, but it's cool. You know, whatever. Yeah. And hurt. both both players were were you know very humble and very happy for each other. So I think that was that was really nice. Oh, I think yeah. even I, Michael even like held up Shohei's hand at the end as like, you know, you're the champ. So I think that's that's just that's what you want to see. Oh yeah. I mean the fact that Zine was just like they're like, oh, how are you feel? Are you ready for this? And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> was no, just that like, was oh. so funny. Icicle crash. I was just like, oh, like I can't, I can't go against either one now. One has a giraffe, but the other one, you know, he's not like going in cocky or anything. He's just like, nah, I, I, I don't think I got this. Yeah, and he won. It is crazy though. He's just like, how are you going to win this? And he's like, oh, icicle crash. And if that didn't flinch in the first game, it would have been an entirely different set. Yeah, because the, mm -hmm. the Rillaboom was poised to just stomp oh, on the. Amazing. He was in such a good position because as soon as you get rid of a Moon Ghost, everything kind of crumbles. So it's yeah. like, oh, because then the Ferrigraph doesn't get put to sleep, and then you don't. Maybe yeah. it's click and trick room or something like that. And then, you know, you just go from there. Exactly. But yes, as much as it was a fun experience for the viewer, it was a pretty 
bad experience for the competitor, which Jack, you alluded to already. So a lot of the stuff that we heard early on was they, we had mentioned it beforehand that they had put out the, the message that people should really have legit non-gen Pokemon. And boy, did they stick to that. A lot of disqualifications, game losses, people not being allowed to bring or to use Pokemon because they didn't pass the hack check. That was all over the place on day one, and it scared a lot of people. We even had some of the people in our in our server were scrambling. They're like, hey, guys, can you help me make an Amoongus or a Pelipper or something like that? So it's like, that's, you know, that's fun. And then... The disconnects, the sudden death in top 16. Sudden top- deaths. There were three of them. Can three you, out you, of the eight matches. Can you please explain it, John? Because it's it's the most insane thing I've ever heard from a land <laughs> so tournament at the what world happened, stage. Yes. So what happens in a disconnect where neither player is at fault is that the the game is completely scrapped. You know, nothing from that game is taken and because I think both of them were like game threes or something like that. But I think the game itself becomes a sudden death where it's the first kill or first KO um, wins. What happened apparently was somebody tripped over a cord and unplugged it. <laughs> like it's like, it's like, you, it's like your kid like flips the off switch on the circuit breaker and everything in the house goes off. That's basically what apparently what happened, but it only affected three out of the eight or at least three out of eight of the matches. And it, at least in a couple of them, it was like one person apparently was in a really good spot to to win. And the game got scrapped. They go to sudden death and they lose. Mm-hmm. I think it was Emilio, right? <laughs> well, Emilio is one. And then Luca, the Italian guy who was also running a rain team that's Emilio. had the same six as Sempra, mm-hmm. also was a in that same sudden death scenario. I don't think it was as obviously like quote unquote his game, but he was still in a, in a pretty commanding position. So it was like, it was worse than the Tatsuya situation from last year, the Galissapod Raiko guy. Yeah. Um, Cause he just like, like nudged his switch and then boom, it disconnected. And it's kind of like, that's on your, that's on you. But like, it's, it's just some rando <laughs> unplugs a cord or something. And, you know, almost half of the games get disrupted because of that. Like, that's just, it's unreal. Yeah. It was really, really unfortunate that it happened because it, it seemed that, like, a lot of people on Twitter were kind of saying, oh, I, I know it could have gone other ways and I don't know if I would have forfeited immediately, but it's I was in a pretty all right position and it was unfortunate that it ended up that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. And see, that's the thing, right? Is it's like Pokemon is such an interesting game where it's like you can't like you could just replay it, but that gives additional like information and like game plan. And you're not just going to get to the point where you're just like, you know, okay, let's just recreate it to the same exact game state. Like Unless the judges specifically tell you to do that, like there's no there's no rule that says you have to do so it's like if there is a disconnect some people you know if like you have a disconnect after like on turn one or something like that people just say okay let's just do the same leads but you don't have to do that so it's Mm -hmm. like that game three is no longer than a game three it becomes a game four and it's like then you're just metagaming each other even more so than you were already 
But that just seems like such a terrible alternative of just saying, okay, the first kill wins because not all, all right, teams it's... are built like that. Yep. I've had my uh, experience with sudden death and it uh, potentially knocked me out of um, going to top cut at Sydney regionals in like the fourth round or something. I had a disconnect where I was in a relatively favorable position um, and so we went to sudden death and on the first turn of sudden death, because my team was much more offensive than his, so I should have won it. But on the first turn of sudden death, he clicks Terra Grass Fisher and hits it first go. And I was yep. like, okay, well, that, there you go. <laughs> That's game over, I guess. So. Yeah. Wow. It's insane. And it's like, and my thing is, I'm like, how hard is it to program because like every turn actually has like a seed to it. Like every turn has like a randomized set of things that happen given this seed, right? So that like an icicle crash miss is not technically random. It's pre-programmed according to that seed. And we knew at the beginning of the, of the year that, you know, every battle had the exact same uh, yeah. battle seed, right? We're getting so you, those like sheer yeah, cold hits. Sheer cold <laughs> on the, yeah, into the left slot or whatever it was. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but... If you already ha- if you use the seed to randomize the battle, you just use that same seed to record the game state at the beginning of each turn, so that if and when you get disconnected, you can have just like a little reconnect button. The seed records like who you were playing with, what time, all that kind of stuff. And because it's the same seed on both ends, you just reconnect with that and then keep playing from turn you know one or five or whatever it is. Like I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> <laughs> see you say no, that, I know. that you thing. say that but game freak and nintendo refuse to understand internet connectivity and like that, <laughs> that is true so it's nintendo like, in general yeah, yeah so that would make sense for any other game but like we've talked about it before pokemon doesn't need this so there's no reason for them to have like a really good competitor experience you know it's like they are a, a media and merchandise company, first and foremost. VGC loses them money. So it's like they want the experience for the for the home viewer to be good. They want that to be like, this is such a great time. Everybody's, you know, the stage is beautiful. The lights are nice. The opening ceremony. But if you have, you know, 500 people crammed shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow in like a, you know, a smaller than you would expect convention center, and somebody has the capacity to trip and shut down games. It doesn't matter because it's like we're we're this is a, we're eating this cost anyways. I don't know. Maybe I'm just pessimistic, but it just feels no, bad it, for people that traveled all the way out there. Yeah, it is very sad, and it's just like as well with the game save state. I don't know if you saw, but in the side stream match that michael kelsch played they literally just sacked off the world stage um thing because it was through like the tournament uh like you had to organize a tournament or whatever they kept trying to go in and it kept disconnecting on them mm-hmm. and so they had to like reset a number of times and forfeit and draw battles and then eventually they just gave up and made a union circle and i was like oh like to have that not work as intended mm-hmm. like the day of the tournament like it's just rough yeah it makes you wonder like who would have really made it you know what i mean like this yeah i don't think I don't think they really cared, but like as a viewer, it's just like, 
Like, fuck, do you think Emilio Forbes would have, like, went all the way with the Bramble Gas if that didn't happen? And, and we're not <laughs> trying to take away from anyone that actually No, certainly not. No, well definitely not. We're I, just I don't saying, think... like, what if, yeah. Yeah, like, there there are some where it's like, yeah, that that game totally would have played out different if it went all the way through. And this is not dumping on anyone, but it's just a fact, you know? No, it's but just at the like, yeah, the thing is, at the end of the day, everyone played with the same conditions, and some people just managed better than the others with how it turned out. So, like, they just they still deserve the win by all means. It's just unfortunate of how bad it was to play for everyone else. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that is that is the game we play, as we say. And let's get into what those teams are because. As much as we could talk about the world championships, it's really the the teams that came and conquered that we want to really dig into. And let's start with the champion. All right. So we got Zine, Shohei, Kimura taking home $10,000 for their championship on the world stage for 2023. Congratulations to them. Massive, massive accomplishment. And getting to represent their home country, which is pretty cool. So they brought Flutter Maine, Iron Hands, Landorus Therian, Urshifu Rapid Strike, Chen Pao, and Amoongus. Let's see. We got uh, Safety Goggles and Lando is pretty cool with the Terra Blast. Actually, the Landorus T is, is very interesting. Stomping Tantrum, U-Turn, Terra Blast with Flying Terra and Protect and Safety Goggles. That's like very much. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna beat an Amoongus as quickly as I can. Yep. Then we got Mystic Water on Urshifu Rapid Strike, which isn't surprising. But then Aqua Jet Surging Strikes and Taunt and Protect. So no Detect, which is interesting. I guess more PP, but also no Fighting Move, which is cool. <laughs> um, Specs Flutter Main. We got Focus Sash on Chen Pao with that Icicle Crash, Sacred Sword and Sucker Punch. So no like throat chop or crunch or something like that or uh and then sucker punch is the dark move your standard amoongus set and assault vest water terra iron hands which is interesting so this is a this is this is kind of like a this is at the service level it looks like a standard team but then when you look at everything individually it is pretty spicy with some of those interesting picks like taunt and you know no rock slide or something like that on landorus but i like it what do you think, yeah. uh, Jack? I think uh, someone's draft would have done very well if you just put, like, f- you could have put five of these six Pokemon in Amoongus, Flutter, Chen, Power, Urshi, Landorus, and probably won the draft instantly. But, yeah, just a, a very solid team. I really like the Taunt because it helps your opponents beat Amoongus, not just yourself, as a lot of safety goggles Urshifu have been running around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also does much better into Trick Room setup teams, especially ones that use Giraffe, because it uh, you normally, like, Taunt is from Priority Mons, which Frigoraf just ignores. So having that Taunt uh, on Urshifu is very beneficial for bulky trick room setup Mm -hmm. but yeah overall just very standard and very good yeah the uh the terra water iron hands might look unfamiliar to some people but but that's like a thing that's been popping up ever since the beginning of august so it's kind of been in the water for a while (laughs) nice that terra grass flutter main though is a 
callback to like I don't I think like Reg B or something that something like that. I remember I think it was like Carson Confer or somebody had like a Parish song Terragrass. No, it was like a Parish yeah. song Fluttermane, and then somebody else had a Terragrass Energy Ball Fluttermane. So like we haven't seen that for a while, but making your Fluttermane a Grass type helps you to wall Amoongus because you can just you know target all your <laughs> super powerful special attacks at whatever you want now. And it also walls all the mono water Urshifus. So like this rapid strike Urshifu with just with no close combat was something that you saw across the whole tournament. And if you so happen to be a Terragrass Fluttermane, well, you can resist all of Urshifu's moves now because they're all water type now. Yeah, it just helps beat Urshifu. And the energy ball is just like, well, even if you Terra, it doesn't matter anymore. And... Grass is just a better typing than electric in terms of Thunderbolt versus Energy Ball. So mm -hmm. it's just uh, very good. I do like that the EVs on the Flutter are very nice, like Timid Flutter, but with a lot of special attack investment and enough HP and defense to live, probably, you know, Terra Water, Mystic Water, Surging Strikes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And the the uh, speeds that actually will outspeed Meow Scarada of all things. <laughs> so one nine two speed set, yeah, it is a very fast flutter main. Yeah, it's yeah with with one ninety three is what it gets up to. So it gets the booster speed in Sun, if that ever procs, because it's sitting at one seventy two with its special attack and one ninety three with its speed. Well, yeah, one ninety three is very fast. So. It's it's outrunning a lot of other flutter main that might want to go with like because if you can if you just run like 252 on special attack and then try to go like 187, if you try to hit like one, you know, 188 or something like that, just to be able to hit the the boost for booster energy or something like that, there, you're gonna outspeed those. So that's I bet that that probably won a lot of matches, to be honest, because you're like, you know, that you're so fast, you're probably winning a lot of those 1v1s and, and the mirrors. 100%. Yeah. And also, I too, do. looking at it with like the, the Grass Terra, it's like you have Grass Terra on Fluttermane, you have the Taunt on Urshifu, you got the Safety Goggles and Terra Blast on Landorus. There are, and then you have even like U-Turn and Volt Switch with Landorus Therian and Iron Hands. You have so many different ways to deal with Amoongus. And then if it doesn't Terra, you have just Icicle Crash on Chen Pao. It's like they were so ready for Amoongus. I do want to point out a couple things about the Iron Hands. Like one, yeah, the Volt Switch, which hasn't been as popular lately. It's it's, it's kind of cool to see it come back over Heavy Slam. Because I'm, I'm so used to seeing Heavy Slam at this point where it's just like, oh, do you really want to pivot? The iron hands also the spread on it where it's mainly attack invested and not so much as into special defense like normally you see like a 252 special defense uh iron hands with an assault vest but then it's like you know 170 or whatever into attack and then everything else is spread out evenly with hp defense and uh speed mm -hmm. but this one is mainly like this one's 212 attack investments so it's it's taken chunks no matter what. Also, the Landorus is also kind of bulky. Like it's not like a uh 
super fast or offensive, but it's just like a full on bulk set, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely noticed a lot of bulky Landorus running around just in general. I think even in one of Sempra's matches, the Landorus that that he faced off against was slower than his Goldengo. And I was like, that's that's a pretty slow Landorus for that to happen. Or it's a fast Goldengo. Either way, it's like you wouldn't necessarily expect that to be the case. But Well, with so many Scarf running around. Like Scarf Lando is cool. Like I get it. You just want to hit as fast as you can. Or get out of there with U-turn. Yeah, you know, just do something, intimidate cycle, whatever. But having the Lando being stuck into that one thing, oh, it's 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 okay. You know, there's a lot of ice types running around. Unless you want to make it a Terra Hog, then you know, fast Lando's okay. It you know, it gets the job done. But the bulky Lando is like here to stick around forever and it's already has that high attack. So it, it's kind of nice to see it be bulky and still be able to do damage and, you know, still cycle things out. You, and it ignores the rage powders, which is always really nice. I also wanted to point out the rapid strike Urshifu kind of reminds me of a the rapid strike version of the single strike that's running around right now. That's the sword stance, sucker punch, wicked blow set. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that, except without the sword stance, it's taunt. And it's just, but it's just, it's the same general thing. It's just like you have the two water stabs instead of the two dark stabs. And then you have a support move and then just protect. And it's almost, I think it's almost the same spread. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's almost the same spread. So those spreads are all over the place. Are they all over the place? (laughs) They are all over the, well, because with the SD spread, you actually need to survive stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can SD on like a weak attack or something like that. But the taunt you don't have to you don't have to set up and then live after you set up. You can just taunt, okay. die, and then get a free switch. I think yeah, okay. Maybe th- this one is a bit faster because it's 180 and my dyslexia kicked in and I thought it was 108 and I was like, oh. But um <laughs> yeah, no, it, it but the the same style of like how the moves are placed where it's just like it no close combat, you know, that's kind of interesting to me. Yep. Yeah. I, I will say this team has zero. I mean, no, not one. Uh speed control options, mm-hmm. which definitely kicks your butt. Like you're like I this four i think showed showed up four different times in top cut in a top 16 and i'm pretty sure at least one of them had a scarf lando for that exact reason uh because you can't like icy wind and then like chip down a flutter main or whatever and i was playing some practice matches with the team and i noticed oh (laughs) if you you don't have speed control so if you get out of position and if you can't outspeed stuff you're kind of just like hooked (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this definitely becomes like a very heavy positioning game and you need i feel like you kind of need that that open team sheet to know exactly what you're going to be hitting into or it's going to be coming your way exactly okay well again congratulations to them they are the first champion of scarlet and violet very very exciting so let's move on to number two tony do you want to talk about michael's team i'll let you just do I want to talk about it? Of course I want to talk about it. <laughs> I live my life by this team. <laughs> what sort of question is that? 
<laughs> All right. So let's start off with everyone else. We will do the pow pole, you know, Chien Pao, uh, Heat Tran with an assault vest, Dragapult with Choice Band, that's Terra Ghost, Urshifu Rapid Strike, that is the scarf set, uh, Terra Poison Rillaboom, and Terra Fairy God itself for Igarath. Uh, definitely, you know, if you haven't seen it, I then you haven't been playing grassroots tourneys. It was that it was second place in Victory Road. Uh, you've seen it in Nino. It's been a team that's been, you know, I've tested this team, and you need to know how everything works to make this work. And there's no one better at doing this than Michael DeBess. Yeah, so I, the things that I know about this team is, one, it's a very offensive draft. Mm-hmm. I think it has like one one ninety six special attack. It's it's something pretty high. Like it's not a bulky bulk set whatsoever. It's definitely a lot more surprising than I thought it was. Uh, I seen the review on it in uh, Talonflame VGC. Uh, he has like the guest guest spreads, and it was, it was way more offensive than I assumed. But I guess that was like based off of damage calcs onto an Amoongus. But yeah, it's it's a cool ass team. It's been running around for a bit. I think Chien Pao being Terra Dark is interesting, but I guess when you're running Icicle Crash, Crunch, and Sucker Punch, that makes more sense than having a defensive Terra type. Uh, the Salt Vest Heatran, I think that's just an old thing that we all used to see before. Uh, it's kind of cool to see it come back. Uh, Heat Wave, Flash Cannon, Earth Power, Terra Blast, so it lets you get all four of the things that you want that... I struggled with Heatran with. It was always the debate of do I want Earth Power, do I want Flash Cannon, or do I want Terra Blast? You always have Heat Wave, though. Mm-hmm. The Dragapult is Phantom Force, Dragon Darts, Terra Blast, Sucker Punch, which I think being Terra Ghost is cool just because you could always use Phantom Force as a last-minute get-out-of-trick room, or you could use it as like a stall-out-of-tailwind, you know, stuff like that. Uh, especially when you're Terra Ghost and you're banded next to a Chien Pao, I and mean, you're doing so much. It's just, it's almost unnecessary how much damage you're doing, but, you know, I love it. I love everything about it. And then, you know, the Troy Scarf, Urshifu, we all know what that does. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> and then the Rillaboom with Terra Poison, which I still think is like an interesting set, just because I... I don't understand the reasoning behind it. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I do. I think it's just so you're not affected as much by if you're forced into Terra in front of uh, Rapid Strike. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I honestly can't tell you anything else about it. That's my guess. I think it's because it's not trying to Terra defensively against something that is super effective into it. But more so, it's tearing into something that is good defensively for the meta. So it's like, it's saying, you know what, I'm not going to go water or something like that because I'd rather have the the poison re- or like the, the fairy resist. I'd rather have, you do get a poison and a bug resist, which are both, you know, good into grass, which is nice. But I feel like the, the fighting resist and the fairy resist are better for Rillaboom to be able to handle Urshifu and Fluttermane much more easily as opposed to 
needing the terror type or something like that because like if you go terror fire it's like you're going to want to click that a lot in the face of a will-o'-wisp or a fire attack but terror poison you don't necessarily need and plus if something's cl clicking earthquake into you you have the grassy surge to help mitigate that okay that's what i was like thinking but i just didn't want to sound dumb <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's the same it's it's like the very similar reason to the garganackle that um yeah. g-stock used going going poison i mean that does help because of the fighting resist that you get for Thanks you know for the for the rock type. by the way but uh <laughs> but you know poison is just a really good defensive terror type when you have something as prevalent as fluttermane running around and you throw in urshifu poison's perfect for that oh definitely uh i think it's also really nice that like you know the terror poison stops the flutter from just like demolishing your face while you could also get the wood hammer off at the same time into the real boom slots or not the real boom uh the urshifu rapid strike slots and you resist the opposing real boom which is also a bonus giraffe supremacy the rocky helmet is interesting if you're saying that's not very bulky but i guess yeah. it's just like to pop focus sash kind of thing well yeah. I or think to pop, pop the surging strike stuff yeah yeah, it's definitely to do that. Um, I think Imprison is also really nice for the Terrifier Dazzling Green, just because of um, you have the Flutter Mains running around, and then you could just stop the Flutter Main from Dazzling Gleam in right. front of you because you have there's a lot of fairy weakness on this team. You know, you got Urshfu, you got Dragapult, you got um, that's it. Kempel. Oh yeah, Ur yeah, yeah. So that's three of them, and majority of the time you're going to get hit with the Dazzling Gleam. So being able to stop that, especially on specs, like if you already got it out, then yeah. I, I... Yeah. What about you, John? What do you think? I remember playing with Pal Pult at the beginning of the format with Alex Gomez's team from NAIC. And I was, I mean, I was really impressed by that pair, but I was also impressed by the rest of that team. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that was, I just felt pretty much every part of it was pretty strong in a reg D. So the fact that Pout pulled one in Masters makes sense because it's 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 or that it got second in Masters that it didn't win, but it got that it got second. You know, it's, it shows it's still potent, and that people writing it off were not really correct to do so. I think the uh, the AV Heatran is the most interesting part on the team for me, only because. Heatran usually likes to have like sub or protect or something like that, just to give it some kind of defensive repositioning tool. And in an open team sheet format, like, you know, if you target into Heatran, either if it switches or if it stays in, it's going to take a hit, um, which changes the game completely. But also same thing on the Rillaboom, which normally does not have protect. It normally has the Assault Fest. So switching to protect on the Heatran for a protect on Rillaboom uh, creates some interesting lines where people might be get off balance simply because they're just not used to it, which I think is, yeah, really smart team building. And the Fergograph, you know, preventing priority and giving yourself a trick room option into opposing trick rooms or into tailwinds or into icy winds or stuff like that is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's really adaptable, which I think most teams in reg d if they if they wanted to be successful they needed to be adaptable more than anything else definitely 
Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's like when you're, you know, when you're, when you're planning for a world championship, you have to sort of like try and be a little bit ahead of the meta and plan for what could be potentially coming and be able to maneuver around like that. You know um, what I noticed about the draft was that it kind of makes sense now. Like I, I had to sit there and think about it. It's like, it has a lot of special attack. It has enough HP, but also seeing the Rocky helmet, I don't think anyone wants to hit it that much. Like no one wants to hit it with the surging strike. And then you could tear a fairy if you're in front of a single strike, but because it has enough HP, you could invest a lot more into special attack. If you're running the Rocky helmet set, just because of the fact that like, yeah, they're going to hit you with a surging strike, fake out, whatever. It honestly doesn't matter. Like they go to hit you with a wave crash or wild charge. He, it has enough health where it would take a, a nice little chunk away if, like, say you one shot it and then the Rocky helmet on top of it would just destroy it. Right. Yeah. What about you, Jack? Final thoughts on Michael's team? Just awesome team. Dragapult does a lot of damage. You know, I like the double sucker punch. It can punish a lot of end games with people saving Flutter Main and whatnot in the back. And yeah, just think most of it's been said, but really, really cool team. He's been using it for ages and he's co- found constant success with it. So mm. very deserved. Yeah. And that's the big, that's a big part of it, you know, being comfortable with it. Something we've been seeing a lot. Okay. Let's move on to the number three team. Federico Camporezzi, Fetty, using. Don't you mean Mao? Yeah, that's this is Bayo, not not Fetty. Fetty's fourth place. Oh, Nimbasa has Fetty as Fetty, three. Yeah. Really? Uh huh. Oh, whatever. They're both semi finalists. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's right, just do so, Fetty's first. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to talk about Fetty's team. Uh, they are running some trick room, they got the big bear on it. Yeah, Ursula Crest, Dragonite, Urshifu, Single Strike, Fluttermane, and Iron Hands. So this is a powerful trio of Ursula Crest and Iron Hands that we were seeing. And then Booster Fluttermane, Choice Band Dragonite. No Chen Pao, though. So it's kind of just like rocking on its own. And then the Dark Urshifu with Wicked Blow, Close Combat, and Sucker Punch. Very interesting team because the the flutter main. This is what you had mentioned, sort of you had, you had mentioned before, John. This is your booster energy flutter with icy wind, so you are able to get some of that speed control early on. So you don't necessarily need to rely on trick room all the time. This team has multiple modes. It, it looks it looks very fun to play. You can have a lot of different answers for whatever your opponent is going to bring. You can deal big damage in a hurry if you want to. Or you can slow things down with whatever you got going on. So I think it's a very, very strong, especially in an open team format. When you see ally switch, you're like, oh man, and you start over predicting or you don't take it seriously. And the next thing you know, you're clicking shadow ball into an Ursaluna that used to be a crest and you lose, which is unfortunate. But that is that's how you play the game. So we'll start with with you, John, what are your thoughts on Fetty's team? I think Ally Switch is the best move in the game. And uh is. more that Christ. more people need to embrace it. Embrace it? No. It did get nerfed. Yes. I will we need, we I, need to embrace okay, it. It got nerfed, you're right. Everyone, everyone needs to be using Ally Switch just to make Jake pissed off. I'm never gonna release <laughs> this episode. 
<laughs> no, but uh, well, I mean, like Crest is a really good um, user of Ally Switch. It is because it's the best. because you can heal damage off of either target, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be clicking it every turn because Crest has Trick Room, so that's one turn taken care of. And sometimes it wants to be t doing Lunar Blessing, but sometimes you don't want your partner to get hit. And Crest can just sit there for days and take hits. Yeah, so I think it's just a really good use of the move. I think the big thing people might be wondering about is, like, there's, what, four physical attackers on this team, and there's Dragonite, but there's no Chan Pao. So you're like, what the heck is this Dragonite doing? Well, Dragonite's going to be helping you to pick off things that you can't, because uh, this team looks like it has a bit of a, um, a bit of a focus sash issue, because you have Fluttermane with one spread move, and you have Ursaluna with another spread move. But that's Earthquake with only, what, like two uh, immunities? So Dragonite's going to be helping you with Extreme Speed to pick stuff off. It's also going to be helping you with Terror Blast to kill Amoongus, mm -hmm. which you'll also notice is going to be an issue for this team, which is why the Cresselia has safety goggles rather than like Mental Herb or like a Rocky Helmet or something like that, because you have plenty of answers into Hershey Water. So I... Like you said, Jake, it's a bunch of different modes. It's very flexible, and you can like recover <laughs> from some bad leads uh, well with it. Um, so if you're looking to take up a team and say like I want a little bit of everything, like this is a, a really great team to pick up. I do want to say, just like Michael DeBest, Fetty Campo has also been in a lot of grassroots tourneys. Also, I think with the same exact team, so he's also one of those that have been working with his team a lot, you know, I think over the past month or so, whenever... Fetty uh, you know, kind of bounced between teams for a while. He was on, like, the Team Spirit team for a little bit. Oh, that's and right, then he, he was. And yeah. then he went to And this then one. he settled on this, yeah. yeah. So he's I, one I know of those that can, like, pick up a team and be like, oh, I know how to run it. <laughs> and then just go to another team. <laughs> yeah, because I know, I, I forgot that in the beginning he was running the rain team with Hudra. And then I remember, like, I think it was the last few, like maybe two or three, I seen him, like, top cut with this team. And, yep. uh, it, you know, this is the sword stance, Ursaluna, where it's just, it's all about power. Uh, Earthquake is just going to demolish everything after a sword stance and Flame Orb gets off. Uh, the Dragonite is just going to abuse your Chan Pao. It's like, I don't even need one. I'm just going to borrow yours for a little bit, which is kind of a neat, like, little tech on there, I think. And this is, yeah, this is the Heavy Slam Iron Hands Terra Water. I, I'm not, like, I'm still not sold on Terra Water Iron Hands, but it is smarter defensively right now, which is probably because all the heat trains that were running around, honestly. So it's like everyone got tired of the heat wave destroying them. And you also notice that it has ice spinner as well to get rid of uh, psychic terrain in case you yeah. want. Yeah, or psychic yeah. terrain and grassy terrain, right? Because you don't want Earthquake to be uh, nerfed. Yeah, th this definitely was one of those teams where it was just like, I don't I don't care if you have a rocky helmet because I'm going to kill you. And then I, I like this team. I think that like if I didn't pick up, if I wasn't so sold on Giraffe, I'd be sold on Ursaluna. And this is definitely the team I would try out. What about you, Jack? Do you share similar thoughts on uh, this team? I mean, I think my favorite part of this team with all the cool stuff is actually just the focus Sasha Urshifu, you know? It's just like, stuff it, I'm just going to hit you. You know, mm -hmm. just probably max attack, maybe adamant, just go, don't care, bye-bye. And then, yeah. Like, Dragonite's awesome, Terra Flying, haven't seen that much, and yeah, just 
smack stuff go. Yeah, I, I think that the Dragonite's really cool because it's like when like I've had, you know, I've run Power Knight teams in the past and it feels like you have to bring both of them. But you knew that because we were seeing that like there was a, a drop in Dragonite usage, but Chen Pao usage was still there. You don't necessarily have to bring Dragonite all the time. But if you see on the other team that they have Chen Pao, it's like, all right, cool. I'm just going to benefit from the sort of ruin just as much as you are. And so you don't necessarily have to rely on bringing your own Chen Pao because if your opponent has it, there's a very good chance that they are going to bring it as well because it does work well with Urshifu Water. And that's everywhere, of course. So I also like with this team, there's that there's that Iron Hands Water that you had mentioned, John, as well. I do like the, the Safety Goggles Crest a lot because when like the worst thing that can happen to a trick room team is you get it set up and then you're undersped by a Moongus. But this team really handles that very well, assuming that you're able to take care of it swiftly or at least early before you set up trick room. And you can just, you know, you can just have it just sit there and not do anything because you're able to either lunar blessing away some of those sleeps or just kill it with facade you know, from Ursa Luna or something like that. So as you heal it back up with Lunar Blessing and moving around with Ally Switch. So I think that's a very, this is this does look like a very fun team because yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about it, but only Icy Wind and Earthquake is the two spread moves is, is kind of interesting. Okay, next semifinalist, we have Malharada who brought AV Iron Hands, Safety Goggles, Lando, Chen Pao, Amoongus, Fluttermane, and Urshifu, Rapid Strike. I do believe this is the same six as Shohei. Correct. Is they it? are not, they're very similar sets. They're not, the Fluttermane set I know is different. And I would assume that the Iron Hands and the, um, I think the Iron Hands is different, but I think the other four are, I'm pretty sure, identical. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All the moves, all the moves are the same. Even down to like taunt on Urshifu, Rapid Strike, Energy Ball with Grass Terra on Flutter Main. So yep. I wonder if they they team built together or this just happened to be a. I a think they did. Team, but yeah, I know that Zena would. Yeah, I I I know Zena is a very popular streamer, and that this I the fact that this team got half of the uh, semifinals and a fourth of top 16 tells you like, this was a very good call for this tournament. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So congrats to them. I mean, not much more that we can really say that hasn't been said. So it's a very, very good team. So mm-hmm. that freezes up time to talk about Sempra. Woo. <laughs> All right. Uh, so coming in fifth place, Sempra running a rain team with AV iron hands, the grass Terra Mental Era, uh, Mental Herb Amoongus with the Water Terra, uh, Flying Terra on Goldengo with Nasty Blood and Citrus Berry, uh, Choice Scarf on Urshifu Rapid Strike with the Grass Terra, Ghost Terra Chen Pao with the Focus Sash, and Steel Terra Pelipper with Rocky Helmet. And that was Rockin' Hydro Pump, Hurricane, Wide Guard, and Protect. So, very, very cool team. Um, Leaf Storm on Amoongus is neat. No protect on there. You know, don't don't need it, especially with Mental Herb. You can avoid some of those taunts early on. 
the nasty plot Goldengo, he played nasty plot extremely well in multiple of those streamed games. I think I at least saw it at like, you know, plus four basically, or even I guess plus three after doing it from after make it rain at least once or twice, um, really taking advantage of some of those switches and protects that were happening. So extremely well played by, by him and not necessarily having a rain sweeper, except for the fact that Urshifu Rapid Strike is kind of that. So, and the, the Terra Blast with Terra Grass is really interesting as opposed to something like Aqua Jet because Scarf, you don't need the priority. What do you think, Jack? What are your thoughts on the scene? I mean, I think Pelipa making top eight of worlds in this format is uh, ridiculous. So congratulations, Pelipa. What yeah. an achievement. <laughs> but yeah, just awesome team. The crunch on Chen Pao is very, very nice. The flying terror is really interesting, but it makes more sense because terror water, even in rain, like opposing Earth Shifu is going to do ridiculous amounts of damage. So you want the ground immune, I guess, and it just, yeah, it works well. It looks very reminiscent of like a reg B team, but obviously Earth Shifu is there. So like Palafin probably would have been in that slot a long time ago, but yeah, just really really awesome team and congratulations sempra being from our own server such a amazing achievement agreed john what i'm fascinated about is the pelipper set itself i mean so like the iron hands here is terra grass we earlier we'd said terra water is kind of like the flavor of the month but um terra grass is is on here which is great for amungus because rain teams hate amungus with a passion mm-hmm. and goldango being immune to it doesn't mean that the rest of your team is immune to it. But Pelipper here just has stabs, wide guard, and protect. And if you're not aware of how wide guard and protect interact, they wide guard will increase the uh, protect counter. So if you try to go wide guard straight into protect, that protect will have a 33% chance of uh, succeeding. So it can be a very risky play to run both of those moves on the same set. And you don't have a tailwind and you don't have a helping hand here. Right. So I don't think there's, yeah, there's no speed control on this team either. So it's a very like, you have to get in the right position. You have to use Moongus well kind of team, which I think is really cool. And the Rocky helmet on Pelipper is kind of like, if you want to try to smack me, <laughs> you can. Uh, but uh, you're going to pay for it kind of thing. Right. Because we still have this issue of make it rain is, yeah, it's the only spread move on this team. So you need to get rid of those focus sashes. And Rocky helmet is like, your second option to get rid of those focus sashes. So this is, I, I think a lot of players are taking the problems of the metagame and saying, how in the world am I going to solve this with my team of six, mm-hmm. right? And so interesting things like an item choice, in this case, helps you to to solve a problem of how do I get around Sash Urshifu? How do I get around Sash Pao or Sash whatever it is? So I think, we're. I mean, you kind of see this throughout all these teams that they had these like little choices that make a world of difference, which I think people would want to learn from going forward into Pittsburgh, into Barcelona, into whatever that Brazilian city is. It's going to have the reg D regionals as we're trying to figure out, okay, how do I solve this problem that my team is running into without like completely changing the team? Yeah. Cause just a, um, you know, a Terra here or an item change there can, can really make a difference because I mean, Urshifu Rapid Strike getting caught up in a Rage Powder sucks. Okay, Terra type Grass, great. Now I can throw those Surging Strikes wherever I want to. And 
that kind of stuff is like it is nice because you don't have to give up you know two two pokemon to accommodate or you know three or something like that or change the entire idea of what you want to do assuming you're able just to make one or two tweaks here and there that are really for matchup specific you know i like that uh one yeah i, I really like the terragrass urshifu because it does get rid of that problem of like a Moongus, the Rocky Helmet of Moongus always do the Rage Powder just so it gets the Surging Strikes off. So the, the Terra Grass, I think, is a really good call. Also with the Terra Blast for the Mirrors. But the Chien Pao with no Sacred Sword and Ice Spinner, with Ice Spinner instead of a Icicle Crash, you know, that's it's the safer move in the long run. And Did this- you hear his interview? No. Oh no, he was basically just like Ice Spinner. I don't know why you'd want to run Icicle Crash. I literally don't know how to beat Indeedy Armourouge without it. So I was I was thinking that, that was too. It. it was just like, yeah, it's like psychic terrain. It's also safer because you have less of a chance of missing. You're not relying on the flinch. Also the crunch just to get those uh Cresselias, like chunk them right away and not have to rely on Sucker Punch to do it. Yeah, so I think Goldango is just a comfort pick for Semper. I think it was just one of those Pokemon that early on, I think in Reg A, that was what he was running, you know, with a Golden Wind team with Murkrow, Tailwind, Haze. Uh, I, I definitely think he's just a comfort pick that he's picked throughout the whole season, though. And then uh, I do want to point out that the Moongus, not only being Mentor, but not having Protect and having Leaf Storm. So it has that... This, that uh, that offensive option into the Urshifus, where it's just like, you still don't want to be left. Urshifu still doesn't want to be left alone with this Amoongus because it will demolish you. Like, if you guys don't know, Leaf Storm, one shots, water Urshifu, just right off the bat. So it's definitely not wanting to be near this thing. Yeah, I mean, Amoongus definitely is able to pick up some surprise KOs, whether it's like, you know, with Leaf Storm into, you know, common water terras or water types or Grass Knot into Ursaluna. So that's definitely something that you always want to make sure that you check it out on Open Team Sheet because a lot of them are the same, but they certainly aren't all the same. Speaking of Ursaluna, let's move on to number six, Nikolai Nielsen. Rocking the same exact six as Fetty Campo, but a couple differences here and there, like Ice Beam on Cresselia instead of something like Dazzling Gleam or Psychic. Uh, the Dragonite set is Life Orb instead of Choice Band, but it is still Terra Flying. So they have Terra Blast, Extreme Speed, and Stomping Tantrum. So dropping Ice Spinner for Protect, keeping the Focus Sash on Urshifu. And I believe everything else is the same. Maybe there's a, a Terra type or two that are different. But yeah, I mean, nothing more that we really didn't say before. I do like the Life Orb change on Dragonite because that makes it a little bit more like um, you don't necessarily need to just like come in and just click one button. You have a little bit more free reign to do with what you want because you do have that life orb damage. So you're, it's not as much of a choice band, but you're still able to pick off some of those those focus sashes or just get you know the the remaining chunks of damage that your trick room option may have missed out on. And you have lunar blessing to recover basically every two hits that you do. Oh, nice. And most importantly. This Dragonite has Protect, which a lot of Dragonites do not have. So mm-hmm. earlier we were talking about like Brillaboom having Protect. 
playing with a Dragonite that has Protect is something that a lot of people are not used to. Right. And like you said, and, and, and Lunar Blessing, going through Protect is nuts. So that's very helpful. Okay, let's move on down to number seven, Victor Medina, bringing a pretty interesting team compared to the rest of the top eight, but certainly not something that we haven't seen so far. So we have your Firewater Grass core of Rapid Strike, Rillaboom, and Heatran with the Chen Pao for offensive support. There's your standard Fluttermane and Covert Cloak, Tornadus Incarnate. So I bet you as a listener, if you've been paying attention, you could probably get very close to what this team looks like. It's Assault Vest Rillaboom, Focus Sash Chen Pao, Substitute Lefties Heatran, Tailwind on Torn with Bleak Wind Storm, Taunt, and Rain Dance. It looks very straightforward, but that's because it's a darn good team. And that kind of shows you that um, you don't have to avoid the meta to do well because using strong mons helps you to play strategically and express your skill across, you know, the span of an entire tournament and over several games. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just a classic classic case of like balance. I mean, it, it's one it's one of those things where it's just like if you can't make a new team, just go with what you've been running this whole time. This team has been here since the beginning. It obviously still works. Uh, you know, it's the Heat Wave, Terra Blast, Substitute, Heatran that we've all learned to hate. It, it's a good team. I can't say it's not a good team. I could be mad at it because <laughs> who doesn't get sick of Heatran substituting and just never dying, you know? But at the same time, if it works, it works. Like don't you don't have to like come up with a brand new fucking David Kotesh team. You can just run what you're used to. And this definitely shows. Mm-hmm. Definitely something that if you are interested in trying out what a fairly standard regulation D tournament team looks like, this is a great option for you. Any thoughts? Yeah, on I guess this, the Jack? only yeah. Oh, the only thing of note, I guess, really, is the Terra Water to on the Flutter Main. It's become a little bit more common, but opting out of the extra damage mm-hmm. obviously goes for Icicle Crash, no Rocky Helmet. Um, and Terra Steel is a bit different. We normally see like Terra Dark or Terra Ghost to re- to get rid of Fake Out or Taunt or whatever, but it's clearly very defensive. It's bold nature. So, yeah, very. Like very uh, defensive, torn wants to stick around and click as many buttons as possible, and obviously the Terra Steel on with Rain Dance just means that fire moves won't affect it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and last but certainly not least of the top eight, Maddie Morgan, rocking four of the same six as Victor Medina, dropping the Heatran for Landers Therian and dropping the Chen Pao for Gold Dango. So. That, though, is just about where the similarities end. We have uh, Water Terra on Goldango instead of Gen Pao, obviously. Uh, with, but this one does have Nasty Plot. Um, we have Fairy Terra on Fluttermane, so it does get that boosted damage. But there's no Spread Dazzling Gleam. Instead, it's Icy Wind. Um, Assault Vest Lander Therian with um, EQ, Rock Slide, Stomping Tantrum, and U-Turn. Fairy Terra on Rillaboom with Leftovers. Plus, the Grassy Surge is very good health regen 
and then Aguavberry on Tornadus with Bleak Wind Storm, Taunt, Rain Dance, and Tailwind, and your Mystic Water Urshifu Rapid Strike set. So it's a pretty bulky team. It's able to get set up with Make It Rain or just do big damage. And then through the combination of both Tailwind and Icy Wind, it's able to go fast, hit hard, and then hopefully, assuming there's no Mental Herb, able to stop some of those Trick Room teams with Taunt on Tornadus. I mean, it's a, again, another very strong team for the meta. You got your priority tailwind and your big damage dealers able to work in trick room if you wanted to. And uh, I do like the fairy Terra on Rillaboom. I think that's kind of neat. Another thing. Oh, go ahead, Tony. I was going to say, this is a bulky team. Like, I noticed that there's, I think, only the Fluttermane and uh, I, I guess you could say the Landers are the ones with the most offensive uh investment but the rest is like just straight bulk i'm talking about like 252 hp 212 defense into the gold dango uh you know the rillaboom only has 44 attack investments 180 into special defense 252 into hp even the, the even the rapid strike urshfu only has 84 attack investments where i guess if you're Terra water with the mystic water in rain i guess you really don't need as much as you would as you would think and it would still just just damage just straight damage but it's definitely one of the bulkier sets that i've seen of this version of anything yeah yeah i was gonna say jake you mentioned the the speed tiers but that, tony you're mentioning that like you can account for missing offensive calcs if you have other means to get them, right? Like if you have rain dance, you don't actually need all that investment into H into attack on Urshifu because you have rain and mystic water. And I think the Terra as well to do like all that multiple multiplicative power. So if you can survive for another hit, you know, two hits are better than one, but this is also a good example of a team that has multiple modes. So we often talk about like a trick room mode or a tailwind mode or a bulky mode or whatever. The modes here are be though between Rillaboom and Landorus because our Landorus here has Earthquake and Grassy Surge halves the damage of Earthquake. So you don't want to necessarily have your Landorus out while your Rillaboom has Grassy Terrain up, right? You want to do Landorus plus Tornadus to do like this flying EQ spam mode. Then you turn out into Rillaboom, let Rillaboom do its stuff, and then maybe finish the game with other moves on Landorus. So even if you're building a team that has quote-unquote contradictory modes to it, it depends on how you play it, not that you can't use contradictory modes together. Okay, that is the top eight of the World Championship teams from Yokohama. So that puts BGC 2023 firmly in the books, which is very, very exciting, especially just coming off of a, you know, covid shortened and covid plagued generation with gen 9 it, it's nice that or i'm with gen 8 rather i'm glad that you know gen 9 started off well in in this regard that i think it was a very good tournament season and then the world championships were nice outside of some of the, the negatives that we touched on but it's going to be it's exciting to see what we have to look forward to which we got a little taste of because not only did we have like i said the pokemon presents that happened on august 8th 
But we also had a short trailer that occurred during the world's ceremony. I believe it was what championship Sunday was when they showed it. They showed some additional information about uh, the DLC uh, about the, the upcoming DLC. So the two names, of course, the, in the, uh, the teal mask and the indigo disc teal mask drops on September 13th. As we already mentioned, it showed some new Pokemon that were not previously known to be present. Some of the notable Pokemon um, that were shown Clefairy is kind of cool to bring that back into competitive as it was so, so strong with uh, friend guard. Eviolite uh, nine tails being shown as cool. I think it was the fire nine tails, like the Cantonian one. So maybe the Alolan one will come back as well. Maybe that's bait. You know, maybe it's not going to be as good, but fast ice is kind of still, still pretty fun. Yeah. Mega, not that that's necessarily viable, but you know, whatever. Trevenant, I love Trevenant. It's one of the coolest designs. And then Ghost Grass is just a very fun typing. Obviously, with Bramble Gas, we saw that. So I think that there's going to be some some fun Pokemon returning. We've already touched on like Snorlax and Milotic returning. Um, they also showed Diplin or <laughs> Driplin. <laughs> Driplin, yeah, uh, which is confirmed to be an evolution of Applin. It's a regional evolution to. It is Diplin, by the way. It's yeah. like it's a dipped apple, not a dripping apple. Right. I know. It, still it, it looks, <laughs> but it's dripping. It's an apple with drip. Um, it's it looks like Applin. So at first I was like, oh, is this just a regional form? But no, it was confirmed to be an evolution. The reason that I bring it up is because although it's only a 485, likely to be a 485 base stat, because that's what's what both Appleton and Flapple are, Diplin has a very, very interesting kit with its ability dropping evasion of the opposing Pokemon on switch-in. And also its signature move lowers the speed of the targets for three turns. So it's like they're really getting creative with some of these new abilities and new moves that they're introducing. But to me, the ability to switch in and drop evasion of the of the opposing Pokemon, that just seems really interesting for like heat waves, rock slides, origin pulses, precipice blades, like these high damage moves that have been held in check because of their accuracy. I don't think the Diplin is really going to see much play, but like there's a case for it because of how annoying it is to miss a hydro pump and maybe you don't anymore. Bundle stocks are going to rise. You (laughs) ready for that blizzard and that hydro pump to actually land on you? Do you know what that feels like? So for the viewers, uh, with with stat stages, if it's H, if it's uh, attack, defense, special attack, special defense, or speed, like your swords dance or your howls or whatever that boosts those stages, will add one or two or whatever to the top of a two over two fraction. So if I howl, I'm going to increase my attack from two to three on top. So that's a one point five times boost. If I do an intimidate, that is adding one to the bottom of the fraction, which is a two-thirds multiplier. For evasion and accuracy, you take that same fraction idea, be say three over three. So when Applin reduces the evasion by one stage, that is a three-fourths evasion stat, which becomes a four-thirds accuracy multiplier. That means 
Long explanation, every move that has a 75% accuracy or higher will become 100% accurate against a minus one evasion target. What does that mean? Hydro pumps are always accurate. Rock slides are always accurate. Sleep powders mm-hmm. are always accurate. Thank you for explaining that, John, because I was trying to find those numbers and I was having a little difficulty. So I appreciate that. Yeah, because so when we're talking about all these moves, like that's why we're saying, oh, we like precipice blades can now land because it was the X accuracy or whatever. So it'd have to be like extremely bulky to be able to really live. I'm curious what the I'm really curious what the base that's gonna look like, but we all play draft league, so it's like I could see this doing extremely well in draft because the the power level kind of comes down a little bit. And that's something that just has such utility that it's able to really do well. And it's also important that Grass Dragon is very good into both Kyogre and Groudon, assuming you're not getting hit by an ice type. Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe there really is something. Maybe it does see play. Do you think? Do you guys think that it makes a team? Uh, it's better than Gravity, shows? I think. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, with, you're right. Because you don't have to waste a move. I think that's the key difference with like a Sandy Shocks or other Gravity Setters is that they have to like use a move in order to have this field effect. Mm-hmm. Applin can just switch in and then immediately switch out on turn one. You're a bit of ex- bit exposed, but like you can you can dip out, <laughs> pun intended. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, whenever you want, and your opponent does not benefit from this. It's only you that benefits from it, unlike gravity. Right. It's it's very it's it's a very interesting way, and it kind of shows that Game Freak is going to continue to look for ways to you know innovate on abilities and and stuff like that. And I'm here for it. You know, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, speaking of innovation, they are also potentially they I think they may have teased terraforms like yeah. they had. They showed That's the all we need. They showed Ogre Pond. Ogre Pond is the yeah. you know the face or the, the mask of teal mask. And they showed it just like in its regular form. And then it did this terrestrial thing and it looked bigger and like not the same anymore. So it's like, are they really are they combining terrestrialization with Megas? I don't know if it's going to be a stat increase or anything like that, but it could be anything from stat changes to type changes to additional moves that can be used or something like that. Like if they were to use like Dynamax, like all moves would become something different. I don't know. They didn't really, they didn't show much of it, but they kind of just ended with that. And you're just left wondering like what's going to happen. Cause then they did a deep dive in the Pokemon presents and they just completely skipped over it, which was very intentional. I have one theory on it, and it's still with the mightiest marks. Anything with the mightiest mark. This is just a theory. This isn't real. And if it is, you all should just like donate to me. I think that was leaked. <laughs> I think that was actually a leak. <laughs> no, no, this is this is the theory though. So the theory is, yeah, they are they are gonna get the forms, but it's not I my what I think be just because they did announce that there's a 19th type, I think. They're all gonna the the mightiest mark forms are gonna have the the type the the everything type. That's what it looks like to me. It just looks like you're you're an everything type at that point where you don't. That, have that's a it, that's a terra type. It's not it's not a type itself. It's a terra type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the mightiest marks, you know, you have to terra to turn into the mightiest whatever the fuck, and then instead of like having like an attack boost or like you know stat changes or whatever, you you become every type. It's probably going to be something with everyone, but I don't know. That that's my theory. 
there are going to be. I also saw speculation that it could be super effective against other terror types, which is something. But I don't know. We saw like the image says that um, like the backscalibur. Yeah, you know, had the Terrastal and it was facing down a Dragon Eye and it showed that like Icicle Crash and Glaive Rush was super effective, but the Terra wasn't. So it's good that it won't be like super effective into every type, which was what some people were spitting, which I was like, oh no, that's not great. But right. But that's yeah, the mightiest. So. The mightiest ones are gonna be super effective into everything. You need to have oh, one. I can't wait for Charizard to get three different ones. Yeah. Also, too, they showed a way to get EV reset berries or something like that. They're, mo- they're mochi. Okay. So that's really cool. I, I think that's that's really neat because I know there's a way to get the berries and stuff like that, but it's just a pain. I wish they would bring back the berry farms from Gen 7 and Gen 6. Those were the coolest things. I miss the berry farms from like Oras. Mm-hmm. It took a while, but once you got it going, you're just like, I feel like, it's you know harvest moon over here mm-hmm. right is it like stardew valley mm-hmm. staryu valley same thing <laughs> so we are suggest we are thinking that because of the fact that this launches on september 13th that the pokemon that they bring in with dlc one will likely be added into regulation e because regulation d ends at the end of september which means october 1st would be the next regulation which is enough time for people have to have and have to have gotten legitimately their pokemon from the teal mask and then in an undetermined amount of time but possibly a few months later the indigo disc will be coming out which they also showed some additional information on where they showed an evolution of Duraladon, and it turns into a bridge. Yay. <laughs> Duraladon abridged. Duraladon abridged. It's very, it, it was interesting. So it gets stamina as one of its abilities. It mm-hmm. didn't show its hidden ability, so it could still have stalwart. It has a new signature move. Now, this is a steel dragon type that gets a signature move that is an electric meteor power meteor beam meteor beam that also has elements of solar beam (laughs) so it it charges up gets a special attack boost and then on the next turn is able to fire off a special attack but if it's raining it's able to get the boost and attack in the same turn but it's still electric type it's so weird to me (laughs) to put it on a steel dragon but you you know know what i guess it's cool that's insane that like in rain you're just boosting your special attack every turn with a 120 base and you terra you terra electric and you just demolish everything but you don't have to terra and i'm just hoping it gets better special defense because it's special defense is trash but if he keeps the special defense then it's probably just going to be balanced as fuck I mean, you can probably yeah, still I just, just run AV on it. Be fine. Did you, I didn't did say you, that, and I was like, they really want rain to be very good. Did, yeah. did you run AV Duraludon? Do you remember how not good it was? I mean, it, no, it was good in in Sword and Shield for the first couple of uh, uh, series, and you then, know what uh, else was good? Rhyperior. Where's Rhyperior now? I love using in DLC too. I miss Rhyperior, <laughs> and I love it. But it's it you know outside of Dynamax and weakness policy not being as prevalent, I'm not I'm not seeing it. 
Well, it, I mean, we just haven't had it since since. Oh, you know what? You could you could actually bring back weakness policy with this Duraludon because you you could definitely weakness policy stamina and then bulldoze. Mm-hmm. Th- th- that could be like some big monstrous thing, or you could just do the mouse bridge. That's a theory going I, around true. right now. I will mouse also bridge. say for those mouse who are bridge. like, "Oh, Eviolite Duraludon, that sounds great." For like body press stuff, I will say it's not. Eviolite does not increase the damage of body press, so don't try it. It won't work. <laughs> and also, we got very excited about Eviolite Bisharp, but yeah, King Gambit was such a better improvement that there was no reason to use Eviolite Bisharp. So I'm, I hope they do the same thing with Archeladon. Which, mm-hmm. but it's inter- what's interesting though is Bishop started at what like four ninety five or something like that with its base stat. And then King Gambit only went up to like 535. Duraludon's already at 535. So mm-hmm. I'm curious what they're going to do. Like they can't buff this thing out to be like a 580 or 590 base stat total. I'm guessing they're going to have to drop that speed way down, boost the other stuff. So maybe it's an overall like a plus 30 boost or something like that. But you're basically sending around like 80 stats to, you know, uh, HP attack. Or HP and then um, like its defenses and then special attack or something, but it's I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what what comes of it. Um, also shown were the starters are coming back. You'll be able to have all of them accessible in DLC two, which is very interesting. Of course, that means the return of Incineroar, and we know how good that Pokemon is. That's but cool. I'm curious. Are there any other starters that you guys are excited to use in uh... for alligator? For alligator, okay. For alligator, okay. All day, and it, it will work. I will prove you all wrong. It will work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I think probably if they cool. give Empoleon a good physical steel move, then Ooh. I will use Empoleon. That's true. The still the only water steel type, which blows my mind. With the most opposite ability, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Meganium. Anyone nah. excited for the game? Nah. <laughs> is pretty. Nah. The sucks. If they gave it the fairy type, maybe, but like otherwise, nah. Because I think Radical are... Red gave it triage and the fairy typing, and it's just it's so much better. Superior is something that people are looking at because of contrary leaf storms plus glare. Mm-hmm. Because with glare, you can Ooh, actually um, paralyze Landorus, which is potentially nice. Mm-hmm. But it kind of remains to be seen if. Because the the issue with leaf storms is that you actually need like two leaf storms to do substantial damage to stuff that isn't right. weak to grass, obviously. So it remains to be seen if like leaf storm and glare together are going to be like enough to make superior in any way on par with you know Rillaboom and Amoongus. I would be excited for Embor if they came up with a new item that like just denied. Like basically, Rockhead as an item, give make that happen, and oh, then with I Reckless? would be yeah with Reckless and just like make Embor amazing. Embor does have one of the best shinies of all the starters, in my opinion. The blue fire on it's so good. It really is. I think for me, I'm kind of excited to use Primarina. I think that thing is so strong, and it's oh like, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's just. Water Fairy is such a is such a good That's typing. That's a good typing. Yeah, and it's the Terra yeah, Water the Liquid Voice, there, but whew, I think it's nasty. Terra well, Water it, Liquid Voice is going to yeah be with disgusting. Hyper Voice. Yeah, the uh, 
it actually can hit its special water moves, which is mm-hmm. somehow a niche. Yeah, <laughs> bring back yeah. Tapu Fini. Bring back Tapu Fini. Oh, I know and that thing's gonna miss Muddy Waters still. Oh, uh, <laughs> but it would make this format so good. Yep. Also shown were uh, some additional counterparts to what we already have in Walking Wake and Iron Leaves. We saw Raging Bolt, which is a giraffe Raikou, and Iron Crown, which is a steel Cabalion, which was already steel. <laughs> so I'm not gonna uh, lie. It looks steel so gross psychic. Cabalion. Steel psychic. Right. Steel psychic and then Raging Bolt is electric and dragon. So it seems like they're trying to keep some of the uh the parallels there where it's like you add the dragon type to the legendary beast and then you drop the fighting type with the sword of justice and then just throw on psychic. Um they were shown having two new moves for Raging Bolt, it's Thunderclap. It's a special move that allows the user to move first if the opposing Pokemon has chosen an attack as its next move. I did not know that it was Sucker Punch, basically. I thought it was just, like, priority. But, okay, that's cool. So it's like a, it's a electric special Sucker Punch. And then Tachyon Cutter for Iron Crown, which is a cool name. Uh, Steel-type special move that never misses, allowing allowing the user to attack twice. It was shown breaking the skies and then okoing a uh, Mimikyu, but don't necessarily be too excited about that as it, we don't know the levels of the Pokemon that were involved. But that was kind of cool to show that they got some new moves. And I'm glad that although the typing was like parallel to what those Pokemon had, like their other counterparts, it wasn't necessarily just, oh, here's an electric type move that's boosting the sun. Oh, here's a steel type move that's boosted in electric or electric terrain. It's like something different, you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, your the fact that Tachyon Cutter is like a special move uh, might imply, we don't necessarily know that this is true, but it might imply that Cobalion, which is usually a weaker physical attacker, is now a special attacker. So we have a special steel psychic uh, sure. rather than a phys- another physical steel psychic like Metagross. We have a special steel psychic um, alongside the likes of Heatran and Goldango. And if it's two hit, you can get around Sashes on Chienpao, mm-hmm. on Fluttermane, on sturdy stuff, on like sturdy rock or ice types like Avalug or every rock type ever. So that's like new, it's it's a bit of diversity for the format, which which seems pretty cool right speaking of new moves they also showed uh two new ones a fighting and a psychic the first one upper hand with this fighting type physical move the user reacts to the target's movements and strikes with the heel of its palm um if the target was trying to use a priority move upper hand will get the jump on them allowing the user to attack first it showed a hariyama i believe attacking before a scissor which was most likely going to be using something like bullet punch so i'm curious what the priority are going is going to be there I don't think that it's going to be faster than Fake Out, but who knows? It might be. And Psychic Noise... I think noise... it should be. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, that would, that be, would otherwise... be nuts if it is. Yeah, it would be if it, Well, if it is, it's only because, like, otherwise it feels like it would just never see play if it's not better than Fake Out. So right. I, I'm assuming it's yeah. two. I could see being plus two, maybe. But yeah, I mean, plus, plus three would be great. I think it'll plus just four. be... It's one of those really niche moves where it's just like, like it's not going to really affect Dragonite that much because of inner focus, but like, yeah, it's only going to be used on like oh fake out, oh sucker punch, 
you know, stuff like that. So it's like, it gives you another option other than Ferrigarath, who is obviously a better option. Mm-hmm. Because it is, because like also getting the flinch is kind of cool. So that is, that's neat. Um, and then psychic noise, psychic type special move that uh, bathes the target in abrasive sound waves. So it uh, prevents them from using HP moves, um, abilities or items for a certain number of turns. So that means that they showed that the, Dondozo was not able to use rest on that turn after getting hit, but based on the fact that it's also abilities and items, it might shut down leftovers. It might shut down citrus berry too. That could be pretty interesting. And this is the heal block effect, uh, which was buffed in generation six so that you cannot even select a draining move. So your iron hands cannot even use drain punch. So rather than like just doing the damage, it's like you can't even use the move period. So like you are locked out of a fighting stab there. This also blocks the healing effect of Pollen Puff. So if you're an Amoongus trying to hit your allied Iron Hands with Pollen Puff, you cannot heal it. Importantly, though, Heal Block does not affect Regenerator. So it doesn't mean that Amoongus won't be able to um, heal up from from switching out. Right. Because they get the HP like either when they're already out or when they're coming back in or whatever. So yeah, so like this would prevent Earth Eater or uh, Volt Absorb or Water wow. Absorb from from getting HP back. You're still immune. You just don't you just don't get the HP back. Interesting. So yeah, to me, like, it's it's not necessarily these moves that I'm excited about. It's the fact that we are likely going to be getting more move tutors, and they're not necessarily the ones from. Isle of Armor. So it's just like more stuff to learn and figure out what the uh, the buffs are going to be because, you know, not all of those move tuner moves were good because I mean, who used Savage Spin Out really? Uh, or what was it? Is that is that? No, that was the no, that was the that, that, was, a, that was a bug. That was the bug. bug move. <laughs> what was what was the one? Skitter Smack. That's what it was. Yeah, Skitter Smack. Uh, Skitter Smack and Corrosive Gas. We're yeah. like Corrosive Gas is a really cool move, but it's like it's a one type thing and it, nobody ran it. Yeah. So that is coming in later in the year. We're thinking that maybe it's going to be December that like it drops mid December and then regulation F starts January 1st. But that will be soon seen. Wow. That was a lot of Pokemon stuff. So <laughs> if you guys are still listening, thank you so much for doing so. One quick note. We're going to be taking a little break here. Uh, we're not going to have an, a new episode next week after this one gets posted. Just we've been going pretty hard for the last, uh, you know, seven months or so. So we're just going to take a little break after Worlds and then come back later on. Of course, we'll be uh, not going anywhere, but just, you know, taking a little time. But other than that, again, thank you all very much for an excellent VGC season. 2023 in the books, 2024 on the horizon. And uh, Pittsburgh is going to be here in about a month. So it's very exciting. A lot still to do before then. But other than that, we will say our goodbyes. So we'll start with you, Jack. Goodbye, goodbye. And may you all swift swim into a good week. Jack, uh, Tony? I just want to take this moment. Normally, I just say hasta la fuego, but I do want to give a bunch of people a special, special shout out just because you guys worked really hard. And I, I I just, you know, 
everyone in the community needs to recognize it. So shout outs to Sempra, Swamp, Azulite, Zek Ramzik, Aura Rayquaza, Kaneoji, uh, the junior named Kira, and Paul Chua. I, I, w- I just want to say that you all did an amazing job. You all put in a lot of effort this year. And, you know, just because you didn't take home the gold, I want to say you guys still played amazing. You, you, a bunch of people look up to you now and wish that they were in the position that you were in. And uh, I really hope to see more from you guys next year because you all are amazing players. And don't let anyone take that from you. That, that is very goodbye. nice. That was very nice. And John. Reg Dragapult. Not Reg D's Nuts. Not Reg Giraffe. Reg Dragapult. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, for sticking around. This is the longest episode we've ever had. So I hope you enjoyed it. And go on, get out of here. Season finale. Summer break. Uh, have fun. Season break. Finale. That's right. We'll see you Class. guys after summer break. Cliffhanger. Oh my god, if I just cut it bum, right now. Bum. <laughs> <laughs> Class dismissed.